always going to be people who don't want to pay or whatever happens and it almost has to be a welcomed loss right that you are in a place where people are willing to pay more to sit in your chair that's how you grow financially absolutely but if you do it too soon or say you're new to a city and your ego is large because you charge you know a hundred dollars for a haircut back home but here you have no clients is your haircut worth a hundred dollars yet or is it worth like where do you begin where do you build your clientele Today, I have invited Sherry here. She is someone that I met through social media, and she's a salon owner. What's kind of cool about getting to meet people that you know on social media or you think you know is um, I have a perception of who I think she is, right? Like, that's the idea we get behind social media is an idea of what somebody is. And I think what's really cool in our industry as creatives is there's so many different sides to everybody. And I wanted to showcase salon owners other people in my industry that have kind of stood out to me and the whole idea behind bringing people in here was to really share our stories behind how we became successful how we kind of fought through probably whatever it was to get where you are now more than ever I feel like it's super important to be able to um, share kind of like the journey versus like the pretty Reel. The highlight reel. Yeah. So Sherry is a salon owner in North County, right? Uh, La Jolla. La Jolla. Okay. That, to me, that feels like yeah. North County, right? <laughs> and I'm in San Diego downtown. So um, this is our first time officially meeting. And I just, I really want you to just tell people like um, what it's like to own a salon. I really want to give the details on that. But I really like the backstory to how you got started in the industry would be a great place to start. Cool. Okay. Um I mean, ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with hair. Really? So kind of that story, like, I don't think there'd ever be another career for me except doing hair. So luckily it worked out. Um, and just went straight to beauty school after high school and um, just really passionate about it. I think um, I had tough hair as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. And yeah, I feel like when I've seen your natural texture, it's a lot like mine actually. Yeah. And so as a kid, and we didn't have flat irons, we didn't have all the things, it was uh, tough and um, you know, just wanting to figure out how to tame my mane mm-hmm. um, and was always insecure about it. And I remember the first time a hairdresser like straightened my hair and made oh. me feel good. And it just, it was like life changing just yeah. that moment, like little kid me just felt good. Um, and so that really was pivotal. And um, I couldn't wait to one day learn how to master all hair types mm-hmm. and hopefully give that feeling back to people. Totally. Um, so yeah, I've do just you, been doing it always. Do you live near the beach too? Or is your salon's near the ocean? So it's near the ocean. We're in Claremont now. Okay. So like 15 minutes away. So if you know, San Diego's super humid. Like, so her backstory on that just really brings me back. Cause as a kid struggling with frizzy curly hair, it was like being able to transform. Like hair is such a pivotal thing for people, especially when you're growing up and you're struggling with how to style your hair. Yeah. I do. I like, I vividly, as you're saying that, I'm like, it's like bringing back memories as to someone straightening my hair. was like a game changer. I prayed that I would wake up one day and have straight hair. I was same, <laughs> same. Well, and then like in a lot of San Diego, I think there is that like muggy weather or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember walking to school and it was just like a five minute walk and I'd like do my hair, I'd straighten it. And by the time I got to school, it was just mess right and I'd go in the bathroom I'd bring like a round brush actually and I'd go in the bathroom under the hand dryer and like try to smooth yeah. my hair <laughs> the blow like heater in, under in, in the, the bathroom dryer. yeah so, yeah I was in the cards to do hair see obviously. no one sees that you don't see that <laughs> shit that's the same thing like in my 20s going out by the beach too I would look all cute and by the time you go to the bathroom you cut your hair is like too, yeah everything. your makeup <laughs> yeah it's terrible 
ought to be a girl. So, um, then, then right after beauty school, straight into it. So what, you were 18, 19, then you assisted? What what was your story? I did the assistant thing and I, for whatever reason, always had my eye on like wanting to work in like high end salons. Mm. I don't come from a high end background. So it's kind of an interesting thing when I look back that I like felt worthy of it, but I like shot high. Um, and got rejected a few times, but then I landed a, uh, a great gig assisting a stylist uh, or salon owner in La Jolla, and it was rad. I mean, I became a network educator with Bumble and Bumble through them, and he sent me to, like, New York, like, so much to do training. So that was badass. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of, like, made my way up. I kind of tried all the things. I did the commission. I booth-rented. I moved to L.A. Wow. I um, dreamed of doing celebrity hair, whatever that means, <laughs> but I dreamed of it and love brought me to LA. So I started my career over and it was hard, but then I did it and it was incredible. And, um, ultimately my heart was in San Diego and I knew I wanted to open a salon. I knew I wasn't ready until like that season of my career. I think I've been doing hair like 12 years. Okay. Cause you know, when you open a business, you, sacrifice everything you mm-hmm. have to put your all in like yes. there's no more like getting drunk with your friends or like <laughs> it is like it is 24 7 commitment sacrifice and so young me wasn't ready um and so I knew once I got to that place it was time and yeah. it just brought me back to La Jolla where I got started so I actually um Belle Seren oddly enough the location is like right across the street from the very first salon I ever worked in which is pretty cool isn't that crazy how things like that work out full circle right like you would have never envisioned like every day when you left that across the street was going to be your space one day super weird so weird yeah so you're as I think we have so much more it's interesting how the universe puts you together with people who are so similar to you sometimes but um your story reminds me very much of my story as well um, luckily, I had a mother who was a little bit bougie. We didn't grow up like that. I think she always wanted more for us. So once she discovered I wasn't going to back down from doing hair, she was like, well, then you're going to work at the best salon in San Diego. And at the time, was Robert Crummings down here. Yeah. So luckily, she pushed me in that direction, which showed me what was possible in this industry because um, I think a lot of people don't know what could be and think that, you know, yeah, this is an easy gig out of school or maybe they didn't have any other ideas of what they wanted to do. But um, you really can make a beautiful life and career, I think, doing what we do. Um, what a great story. So explain to me the process of getting that salon. Was the space already a salon, or did you mm-hmm. find it, build it from scratch, and it's your yeah. baby? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm so all or nothing. Yeah. It's annoying. And my advice would always be, obviously, if you can buy an existing salon space, do that. You'll save a lot of money, mm-hmm. time, and stress. But um, I had a vision of what I wanted, and there were no salon spaces available. And I'd been looking for a, a bit, and then a broker um, showed me the space, and it was a blank canvas. And it's, you know, in the heart of La Jolla Village, super fancy, beautiful. But right next door is a Jersey Mike's. Mm. And for me, I'm like, I can't be next to Jersey Mike's. But Herringbone is across the street. And my broker's like, you know, you're next door there, but you're across the street neighbor's Herringbone. So perception, what do you what do you think? Right. So, and I'm really grateful I, like, bent on that. That's so stupid. And Jersey Mike's, they're really busy. And I'm sure we've had a lot of clients even through um, them. But the location was, what was great about it is they had, they were kind of up to date on all the construction stuff. And, you know, it was like a... You know the whole you probably know actually here the seismic retrograde like if a building is up to code yep. for 
um, earthquakes and all that. So, I mean, you can get yourself into so much trouble when you're shopping space and doing construction if you, you know, if you have to bring things up to code like that. So luckily I didn't have to do that, but I mean, I had to do um, the plumbing and electrical and all the things and, but it's beautiful. That's why, that's why don't you laugh when people, you know, give you such a hard time about simple things at the salon. Sometimes you're like, you have no idea what it entails to create the space for you, you know, and because you've been every position in the industry, it's like, you can't, you you can't go open a restaurant if you haven't washed the dishes somewhere. Like you have to know what every position feels like in order to, I think, a manage people properly and in, you know, a good way Mm -hmm. You have to be able to like empathize in every situation. But at the same time, like, I think you know, I've done it too. In, in a salon I've worked at before, you you don't appreciate all that goes into a business like this, yeah. because at the end of the day, there isn't a huge profit margin to be made in salons. There can be, but I think at the end of the day, we want to create an environment we love and work with people that we love. Mm-hmm. So you know, all the more better if you can make a good living and make money off of it. That's the goal. But you know, all the things that go into opening a space and to maintain it, it's it's not <laughs> it's not as easy as everybody thinks. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you run a commission-based salon or do you do booth I rent? Do. So yeah. all commission. All commission. Good for you. We, um, we when I first opened, it was like the independent, like the, the gray area, independent contractor commission-ish. That's how you like, started it at first? Yeah. Okay. Because that was what I knew too. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was in LA, I was a commission stylist, but I wasn't paying taxes. I, it was like real weird, right? Yep. Like for I remember a while, that time. It's, been, it's been gray. And then, um, yeah, and then I tightened ship and went for it I got a business coach and attorneys and learned the right way to do it and so yeah it's like a tight ship commission base but with I say it's like a lot of structure but like a ton of freedom sure like I don't you know no hairdresser wants to be put in a box or be robotic or anything or micromanage micromanage or they all have keys like the sky's a limit like charge whatever like I if I can make whatever growth happen for my people but they just have that job security. They can get unemployment right now while we're shut down. They get that nice stimulus money. That's like, huge. I think now more than ever, I feel really proud that I set it up that way because it was not easy to do and I mm. lost stylus in the process. And um, it's like one of those moments where you have to remember why you started and what's important to you. And I think there's going to be times along the way that you kind of like lose sight of it. But like yeah. that foundation, I'm really glad that I. Right. And I'm sure that business coach and all that mentoring was costly, not free. Yeah. So they say, again, investments go in different forms. Like it's not just investing in the salon itself. That was the back end to create the business that you knew you could do. And that's something that I think a lot of people want to skip over those steps in order to get to the shiny part. Right. They want to be able to I want this type of a business, say your commission based business, but you don't have the foundational skills to do it because we weren't taught that after you graduate beauty school you don't learn any business skills you you barely can cut a straight line when you graduate depending on what school you go to yeah so I think everything in the magic happens after you graduate school right well and I think you you have to really sit with what's important to you too like I think we live in a world where everyone is copying everybody and you think if you just I don't know like I've had people ask if they could see my contracts or mm. all the things and I'm like people or like my who scales. other salon owners yeah okay. yeah or like you know when I just all sorts of stuff like that but what I've created is so custom to like what is important to me and my team and where I'm at the cost of my rent and my overhead like it's not just stuff 
from out of nowhere. Right. You, you shouldn't copy it because it's not going to work in every business model. Like, it's so important to identify what's going to be best for your particular business and brand. Did you catch that? It's best <laughs> to identify what's for your particular business or brand. And I think that's the error we're in is the copy and paste. Oh, that's working for her. I should do that. Oh, she's doing that. Okay, that's what I should do too. I think that's so where so much. many people get overwhelmed and lost because they stop thinking for themselves. Like, yes, most things have already been done or created and maybe what you're doing is a vision of what someone else might want to do. But for me in a position to see someone like you who's successful, who's mapped it out, who's done all the back, back work, that would be me to come to you asking either to coach or mentor with you or, you know, I think opportunities like people who already have businesses like this would be to partner with them. Hey, I'm looking to do something similar. Could you possibly mentor me to grow my own? And, you know, I've worked in other salons in the past where I knew people wanted to leave to go start their own business. And I had hoped that the salon owner would step in and almost take ownership of like, I helped you grow in my salon. So rather than, you know, being disappointed or sad or frustrated that they were leaving, why not help them grow if it was a possibility? Well, you got to get real good with like your ego mm-hmm. and like not taking things personal. Cause I think that's, it's something that I've even had to work through because it's like, you know, you give your all yeah. and we'd be foolish to think if someone's going to stay with us forever. I mean, that's not healthy either. If the stylist never evolves into something more, right? Sure. Like, in a great salon environment, a healthy culture, like you are motivating and inspiring your staff to believe they can reach any potential they want to. And sometimes that isn't going to be in your walls. And that's, that's a hard thing. I think for anybody, your heart's involved and it's hard to not take it personal as rejection, but I've, I've had to, a friend of mine actually said it recently. Um, you know, she's like, you should feel really proud if like somebody leaves on good terms. Like I have, I've had stylists leave to open their own thing or whatever. And they send me beautiful cards Mm -hmm. and just like, we're friends. Um, she's like, that's awesome that you helped them. You showed them that they could do it. You taught them how to run a business. So like hats off to you. Totally. It's like this double-edged sword, but like at the end of the day, that should be our goal. Like that should be uh, the behind the scenes of why we do what we do. I you don't that. open a salon to just make money and dictate people. It's to, you know, hopefully like help build dreams and careers and just nurture, you know, whether you have a year with somebody or mm-hmm. 10, like be grateful for the time. And I love that. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think even being able to show that you can help someone grow like that in a business to where they feel confident enough, they've established their own business personally enough to be able to step out and do that. That's like, you know, like they're, they've graduated from a master's class at your salon. Mm-hmm. You're like, my job is done here. I wish, you know, like your little students go on and, and live their little dream yeah. and purpose. I love that. And I think being able to like step into that, like it is tough because you spend hours on hours with these people. They're like your people, even if they're not your close, close friends, like mm-hmm. to see that change. And I think that's with any industry, but for some reason, I feel like in our industry, we get kind of a bad rap for people moving around a lot. Have you heard, like, you'll get clients clients move around a lot too so it goes both ways I feel like you know you they bop around but sometimes stylists get that bad rap too and I found tell me if you agree I feel like a lot of people you you don't always quit where you are because it's a bad environment it's it's because you either it's time to grow or you need to change like there's it's never generally something like personal and that's what I feel like 
I've tried to take every lesson from being around something that's happened like that and I'm like just channeling you I could feel like you've probably been through that and I just I'm trying to like take that in so when that comes time for me if that is the case in this position here that I'll be able to do that as well because I feel like that is the goal is to help people grow and to be able to like you know do what we do yeah I think I think what's tough in our industry is stylists a lot of times they've already it's like if you're in a relationship and you've already made the decision decision that you're out you're not in love anymore you've already like found the apartment whatever and so by the time you tell your partner I'm not in love with you anymore there's not even a chance to Mm. redeem you've already worked through it and (laughs) you're done so I think a lot of times with stylists it's that because you know salon owners will hold on to clients there's like this like a ownership thing yeah but like one of the most healthy experiences I just had recently with one of my stylists who's I've known my whole career I mean she came to me and got my advice she was gonna get a salon suite Mm -hmm. she didn't know if it was right she was about to sign the lease but she wanted to talk through it with me and I just respected her I I respected the situation that we could do that yeah and then together find a way like she cared enough about my salon and my people that she didn't want to rattle things too. Got it. So she wanted to be just mindful of my feelings, I love of that. theirs, you know, and it just was like this really healthy, positive thing. But I think, you know, when the stylist gets all their ducks in a row, they make all their plans and it's like a silent thing, it fe- it's hard to not take it personal. Sure. And if an owner just feels like they never even had a chance to counter offer or mm. whatever but you know it's like in life if, if you know you're done with something I know me I'm all in or out totally. so if I know I'm out like you're not gonna you don't, you wouldn't even want to talk somebody into staying with you at that point right so. I agree and I feel like you just hit the nail on the head with that I wouldn't even want to talk somebody into staying if that's your position same thing yeah. um we could probably go down a rabbit hole on how how to properly do that and the etiquette and all that kind of stuff but I think at the end of the day like it's such a small industry the best way to do it is the way you just described yeah that girl did it and um you know that'll be good karma on her for a while Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so we have a lot going on we are filming right now in the middle of our second quarantine so our salons have been shut down for the second time um i believe we're one of the few businesses that are not allowed to work indoors um anymore all of a sudden i think you can get a a plethora of other things botox all the things right now but for some reason we we can't do hair and for me personally, I'll just speak on how I feel about um, a few things that came up over the last couple of weeks. I do not think that doing getting your hair done is an essential business in the term that they're using it. No, you cannot die from not getting your hair done. But what is confusing, I think, to us um, is the fact that so many other businesses that do similar services are open. And so this raised a lot of obviously frustration and animosity the first shutdown i believe everybody was like cool this is what we got to do we're doing it um we'll do it with a smile and uh, we'll follow the rules but the second time it came out of nowhere it was like a wednesday we got a same with the way they opened us though was a one day notice um what i really wanted to show was how it's truly affecting a your livelihood your business and i know you're a mama too so Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot more to it than Mm -hmm. open close right like So I don't even know where to start. They say it as if it's as simple as just locking the door. Right. And no one's impacted whatsoever. And, and yeah, at this time, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, we haven't had outbreaks. We spent two and a half months preparing to reopen and operate like a doctor's office. And 
things were going so well. And so I think we all just had the rug swept out from underneath us and there's no answers. And we're all taking this time now and kind of questioning things and running numbers. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's hard to not feel like there's something personal going on. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're that special, but (laughs) I also don't think, um, we're being taken serious and it's so devastating. Like I, I've made friends with a lot of salon owners through this, which is really awesome. But the amount that are closing, the amount that I feel like I'm trying to say, like, you don't have, no, like, keep fighting, keep fighting. But they're, like, filling out resumes. Um, People who, they don't want to do anything else. You know, it's like, we're a different breed. Like, what else are we going to do that's going to fuel us the same way? Right. And um, so it's just so sad. Well, and what was crazy is they gave us exact things that like we have a list from OSHA that was like the length of you know a small bible if you will like not to be dramatic but the the things that we're told to do and I saw that you implemented so many of the everything literally everything above and beyond yeah. so I'm like you know what again all in all out yep I won't half-ass it it's I wanted to make the most nervous client feel safe and we did that yeah so and and I think that's what's the most like soul crushing is to to do what you're told spend the money and then still be bitch slapped to to be like no just kidding that wasn't good enough and uh, the amount of money you probably spent to get that open I've seen so many people doing all of that stuff um so in the trickle effect you know I got a phone call from a few clients that are like oh great you're open now uh when can I get in and I said yeah I'm open but my son's school is closed and I don't you you know like the dynamic of that I'm not just going to send him to the babysitter or you know, there isn't even any babysitters. Like people were still so scared the first go around. So how are you managing home life and, and juggling all that? I mean, <laughs> so like, well, do you yeah. have some tequila for that? <laughs> the first time I love my daughter so much and I love being a mom. Um, my daughter's almost two, mm. but I'm definitely like hats off to stay at home moms. Same. Like that full-time gig, like that's not, that doesn't come natural to me. And, and or that you got to choose let's be honest like this wasn't yeah. really like you were like oh I've grown into it and I mean maybe it'd be one thing if I didn't have a business and employees to keep afloat and inspired and connected with mm-hmm. but suddenly in the first shutdown it's like suddenly stay at home mom um my daughter stopped napping so there was no downtime oh, but then it's like color kits and retail sales and just doing whatever we could so I felt busier than ever and more overwhelmed than ever um, and so this time, I, I don't know, this time, even though I think we're all pissed, I, there's some sort of weird ease with me this time. I don't know if it's because I know this, I know, I, I don't question anything we did and we're ready. Like I still have fight in me, I guess, but, but yeah, the, the juggle with her, at least what I learned this time. And luckily my, my babysitters are my dad and my mother-in-law That's awesome. and they're not nervous to be around. So I'm not just jumping back into what I did last time where they stayed home. I'm still having them come and help me so I can have that time to work on the business while it's closed because that's super important right now too. We can't just, as an owner, you can't just, all right, we're shut down. Like, no. That doesn't work either. So. Does does not work. And I think that's the thing. Like, And, and what's so unfortunate about people not qualifying for unemployment that are maybe not in the same position as you or the other employees that work for you there's there's booth rent salons who I know a lot of people didn't get it if they hadn't had a job in the previous year or two somewhere else so you know to think and to still hear all the work that you have to do while you're not making any income like that's that's the part that is never going to be able to be recouped so like 
people are like, oh, the loans, or well, didn't you get this, or didn't you get that? And I'm like, what part of me people taking over profit? Yeah, like, what part of you, me taking a loan, and a new, especially for me in a startup business, I just opened in October, is, is helpful, right? Yeah. I'm trying to get out of the debt that yeah. I, you know, I was almost there, and then got kicked with this, and it's. And again, it's different, I think, if it's your choice. Right. You know, but when it's thrust on you, you know, and you've done things right, like, you shouldn't have to take a loan. But, you know, it's a desperate time. Like, this is out of everyone's control. But, like, how many loans can a business owner take before, in our industry, too, it's just not going to make sense anymore. No. And depending at where an owner is in their career, like, how much fight do they have? Like, I'm on, I'm going into year five, I still have it, but, like... People I know that have owned salons 15 years, 20 years, like, do they have that fight? Are they willing to continue losing 60 grand a month? Mm. And, you know, um, yeah. That's heavy. It's so shitty. Like, it's so sad. And I think, like, you're probably like me. We try not to be dramatic. We try to just deal with what is and take action rather than sitting in that, you know, victim mode of helplessness. But fuck sometimes we're we're human like it's hard to always be the one who is championing for everybody mm-hmm. like it, it it takes a toll and I think um for me personally like in my coaching program I'm always talking about non-negotiables and like how you support yourself mentally are there some things that you find that su- that you're able to support yourself because you you sounds like you've got a shit ton of people that you're taking care of I'm terrible like oh. I I get my something I need to work on like I get my fuel from just helping people yeah like I I know the things I need to do I should be doing yoga I should be doing all the things but like I don't I don't know I guess you know what I do is maybe I do disconnect at night and put my phone upside down and then when the weekends come I am with my family and I don't put pressure on myself but I wish I could say I was doing more for myself but just juggling my daughter too like you know, she's not napping, so before she wakes up, I could either work out or I could get my work done. So I just, I'm you're a, in the, I'm a workhorse. You're in that season. Two is yeah. no joke. Two is no. Kai is about. He's gonna be nine, and I, I vividly remember, I vividly remember that age because there is like, and I remember this was like maybe the best advice somebody ever gave me. I don't know who said it to me. They were literally like, the laundry can wait the house can be dirty like take the time where you're if you're kidnapped you nap like if there's any downtime like stop with the busy work because I'm like you like it's go go take care of shit but at that age it was so that almost like whoever that was gave me permission to stop Mm -hmm. doing so much and to just sit with it so Mm -hmm. now that he's this age it's it's he's very self-sufficient but it's it's so challenging so we were talking during our break about when is the right time to move on? How do you know when, you, you know, in situations like this with basically a disaster um, and something that we can't control, all the uncertainty that's going on. We were just talking about people taking the initiative to step out and go into their solar salon or to get their own space. And it's funny because Sherry said something about we just grasping for control and I was actually listening to another salon owner speaking the other day about control and she was talking about how she's been in such a funk and she was like um I just felt like I had nothing I could be in control of and I don't know what she was referring to like workouts or whatever but what you just said resonated so much with me because it's not necessarily about being a control freak or a perfectionist but it's about making decisions not when you're with a scarcity mindset or from like rash 
scary places. Like that's never the best time to, I don't know, open a business or start yeah. your own thing. So we were talking about but people do, but people there's, do. And there's the mentality. Some people think that's the best time. Yeah. Which. So we were, be, we were discussing, um, because we're friends with a lot of other salon owners in San Diego too, of, you know, people leaving during this time because they think they have to, or they think that's the best option for them. Um, and the solace salons are options. So they're independent pod salons that people can go and rent and have like their own space is technically what they were or are. And um, what's ironic is I was saying she's had a few people leave, but at the same time, like those, the control of going to then rent a room somewhere isn't, I don't think much different than staying in a safe space of someone else caring for you and making sure and kind of fighting for you. So we were just talking about, you know, your thoughts on that. So you want to share that a little bit? Well, I think, if it's something a stylist has always dreamed of, then sure, maybe. But if it just came out of nowhere, or if it's fear-based because of COVID, um, I would just really, I would sit down and like list a lot of pros and cons and find a mentor that can help with the numbers yeah. and like really like look at the numbers. I mean, sweet life is not for everybody. And um, I think it's great for some, and I think it can be really isolating and uninspiring for others. And I, I don't know if I'm just thinking too positive or whatever, but like the world we're in right now is not gonna be the same world we're in a year from now, two years from now. Right. So decisions that impact your business and livelihood should not be made off of impulse or fear or, anything like that I mean I think um, you just got to be a little bit more calculated and obviously opening your own thing sure it's really fun to decorate your space and all that and then what and then you're running a business then you're a business owner yep Um, so just there's there's a lot of layers to it and I, I always say it's like don't go out on your own don't don't booth rent don't get a suite don't open a salon unless you want to be a business owner yes. if it's money motivated that's not the way to go no because at the end of the day, the hidden cost in owning your own shit is is far greater of a responsibility than the joys I think that it will bring. I know a lot of sweet owners that are very happy who do like to work on their own. They didn't want anybody near them. Maybe they've been in the game a long time and they just wanted a safe space to go that they could control. Um, so that always made sense to me. Also, you know, not everybody had such a great experience working in a, in a great salon like yours. Not everybody came up like that. I think you and I have a similar story where we were really lucky. Yeah. Um, and we ended up in really good spaces, but I know a lot of people who didn't have that. And so I think for some, it is like the best option, yeah. but at the same time, like you gotta be ready to own that business. And I think yeah. getting a mentor, having somebody coach you on that um, is imperative. And if her saying numbers, you got if that intimidates you or scares you a little bit, that, that means you should dig into that a little bit more. Cause if you're not ready to take it seriously and learn numbers and figure out budgets and all of that kind of stuff, um, you probably won't make money. At the end of the day, you'll see it coming in. You have to client money, client money. Touch a lot of money. You'll touch a lot it. of it, but you're not going to keep much of it. And if you keep too much of it, you're probably not paying taxes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go go into it at the end of the day. So when you when you have someone sit down with a profit and loss statement and you figure out your numbers, we talk about that in the coaching program too. Is figuring out numbers. Um, it's pretty simple math, but you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to be consistent in your business in order to to do that. And um, 
I think personally for me, like the creative, like I thrive being around other people to give me that. And I, I've never worked in a solo. Like, I don't think you have either. So we can't really speak on what that is like. Cause I, I don't, worked, I had a suite. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well share your experience with I that. I had a suite, um, before opening Belle Serene actually. Okay. And I had an opportunity to go to a suite with a, a hairdresser friend and it was a beautiful suite. It was like the big fancy suite with the window. Okay. Uh, so you two were going to share one or you did share it. Okay. And so for me, I already knew I wanted to open a bigger salon. She invited me to do the suite. And I'm like, okay, let me try this. Maybe this is going to fulfill that urge to mm-hmm. create something. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I mean, it was really fun for a minute. Um, and then it was so much work. I would work super long days. There were no boundaries. And then I'd finish my clients. And then I'd have 20 text messages and emails from clients. Um you know, you never, I could never control who my neighbors were and they were always different all the time and what music they listened to, what they put outside their door, who's sharing the laundry room. I, the bathrooms were dirty a lot. Like there were little pieces that my personality I, I, or just me, I struggled with that I still didn't have control over those things. Got it. And at the end of the day, there was some moments where it was really fun depending on the client that you had. And like my partner would be there. She'd have a fun, it was like a girl's club. And then there were other days where we were alone or it was a different energy in there. And in those small spaces, that energy is, is loud. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I missed being around like-minded people who help you elevate. Um, I missed, I missed people yeah. a lot actually. And I think that you're either in a position and ready to maybe be alone and not feel like that. Yeah. You'll, you'll know when you put yourself in those situations. So I do think it's good to try it if, you, if you've if you been tempted to do it or if that's an yeah. idea that you had. Do your research. Ask around. Ask how other suite owners are doing it and where's the best place to go. And, you know, get all, all of the advice you can possibly get, which leads me. So you were there. How long were you in the suite for? Mm, probably almost a year. Okay. But I was building my salon while I was in the suite, too. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And then, so at what point did you go ahead and get the coach mentor to, to show you the number side of it and the business side? That was after a year, a year open. Okay. I wish I had it prior to, that okay. would be great advice. Um, I did fine in the first year, but I wouldn't have had to like rewind and almost restart over. So I Got think it. I would recommend that period even before suite two, that would have been good to have a. So anytime you're taking a CEO role in your business, which is your own, you are the sole person responsible for your business. Highly recommend a coach. Totally. How did you find somebody? I went to, have you heard of inspiring champions? I have not. It's one of the, it's like, um, I don't know even who it's through. I got a free ticket to it and it's like a three day, amazing, inspiring, like business coaching camp or whatever for stylists and owners. And they oh, so it do, is just for us. Um, yeah, for oh. our industry. How do I not know this? Um, they've been around for a long time too, okay. and um, I think they have old school methods. But it was it was super inspiring, and I ended up getting a coach through that. And you know, I I get where when you have all these expenses, you look at the cost of a coach, and you're like, there's no way in hell I can afford that. But there are those those moments in your career that you have to just invest and know that it will pay off like tenfold. So. That was huge. I loved having a coach. She was like my therapist too. She was my everything. Priceless. She, was she a hairdresser in her past life? Too? Yeah. See, there we go. Her, yeah. 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 She, she could hold that space for you because she knew exactly what you were going through. Yeah. That's one of my recommendations always when people are asking about coaches for things that they need. Like, 
You're not going to ask somebody for financial advice that doesn't have money in the bank. You're not going to ask somebody for real estate advice who is still living at their mom's house. Like, be cautious of who you take, take, yeah. you know, Great advice. advice from all of the things. So what lessons would you say were where you would got your return on investment on having a coach? Since you had the coach, you invested that time and money, you learned all the things, they told you X, Y, Z, do this, this, and this, and you've seen how that's played out in your business. If you hadn't implemented some of those things, where do you think you would be right now in business? Just okay, fine, you'd be, you'd be fine, right? I think it's a little layered. I think, I don't know if I would have ever made the change to employee-based commission, so I'd actually, if I hadn't, I'd probably be real nervous with all this shit mm. going on with misclassification stuff. Yeah. Um, there's that. Um, and I think I wouldn't have really understood my numbers. And before all that, I mean, I definitely let certain stylists bully me into higher commission cuts or whatever without really doing the numbers and the math and recognizing what a loss it was for me. Yeah. Um, but if you're not sure, if you don't, if you don't have full confidence and understanding in something, you're gonna buckle and bend. So, um, so yeah, who who knows? But that change was everything for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And and the investment because this isn't a short term, yeah, business. Like you get into this for the long game. You want to own your business until you retire and yeah. possibly sell it or pass it on or whatever the case. So when you're starting a business, like knowing all that, knowing numbers you could see simple math like had you seen numbers like that when those girls were saying this this and that about their commissions you would have been able to say no yeah. look at the math i can't yeah. do that for you and it's confident. nothing personal it's yeah. simple math yeah yeah mm -hmm. and so when you have that gives you the power to be able to say yes or no and make decisions from a you know educated place not from a emotional state which our industry is so emotional so yeah. so we were talking about one of my questions was like what is something about our industry that people maybe misunderstand or think about us that's not true and I think I, I'm not gonna box creatives but a lot of us don't like to worry about that kind of stuff we don't like to pay attention to the numbers we think things will just work themselves out if we're busy and we're having fun but what you have to know is if you're gonna be a responsible for yourself so there's there's your business and then you're you're your first employee so if you can't even take care of yourself, you're never gonna be able to grow into something else. So if you ever have a vision for it being more than just yourself, taking the time to get a coach and a mentor and to or assist somewhere that is a thriving business like yours, that's how you really learn. You yeah. gotta be you gotta be in there. Totally. Yeah. I think investing in a mastermind like I did too was it was a business based mastermind. Mm -hmm. It taught me so many things that didn't even actually make sense to me at the time, but it wasn't yeah. until I started with the salon and um you know the coaching business that all those things started to make sense Cool. because at first people were like oh did you did you you know make your money back on your investment I'm like well what does that mean like mm -hmm. did I did I make the money back somehow or because I think a lot of people that were in that program were solely like coaches selling different programs and mm -hmm. at the time I didn't have anything so I knew if I ever was going to own any type of business I needed to have a quick little business school which was like six months of intense fire hose information at you where cool. you're like holy shit like I don't know anything. Um, but sometimes you have to be reminded you don't know shit mm -hmm. to then be open to learn it, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm listening. Tell mm -hmm. me, tell, teach me the ways. Um, I love it. So what, what advice would you give anybody who's interested in coming into the industry who wants to get started, who's thinking about, you know, going to beauty school or going to get in some way into our industry? Um, I'm a little nervous for them right now because I yeah. think some of them 
may never touch hair before they graduate school. Yeah. So that's okay. They can learn that in the salon. But um, with the way things are set up now, I don't know that a lot of people even have assistants anymore or have that slot open for them. So where do you see, what would you say to someone who's interested in getting into our industry? I think, you know, kind of what I said earlier, I don't believe what we are in in this moment is forever. I think we're in it for the long haul. Stuff is different for sure. But I still believe in the team and the environment of a salon culture. I do think eventually you can have assistance and training programs. Yeah. Maybe things are going to look different for a while. Um I would say keep your eye on the prize and figure out other ways to motivate yourself in it. I think back to when I first moved to LA, I had zero clients and the salon wasn't helping me and it was hard. I knew no one and it was such a hustle. I like cried all the time. I was broke. Like, and I ended up starting to bring my computer to the salon with me and I started blogging and I would utilize social media and I did you know, favorite Fridays and I would post beauty things and I ended up creating um, a little bit of a, people would show up and look forward to those blog posts to publish Ooh. or, you know, my Facebook posts and I wasn't making any money, but I was, it was giving me something to do that kept me motivated and inspired and eventually these people turned into clients. So I think you could still build some sort of something for yourself and then the moment you can go apply to assist or the moment you have an opportunity, you can say, here's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Here's like, and I have this connection of people. So just to keep, keep inspired and keep your eye on the prize. And, and once you get that gig in a salon, you gotta, I mean, I think our generation is like, we had to hustle. Mm -hmm. Like my first boss, I had to have a model every single Monday. Yep, same. And we didn't have Instagram to post model mm -hmm. stuff. Like we were out on the streets. Yeah. And our generation had to work so damn hard nothing was handed mm -hmm. and I as like a boss I expect that of my people too you know and if you want to make six figures and you want success and freedom the beginning of your career has you're all in yeah like it isn't just weekends off it's like you do you do what you got to do you say yes to everything yeah yeah I agree oh that's such that brings I love sharing stories it always brings back so many memories of like yeah we weren't even allowed to bring our parent or like any family members in as models like we had to go get something you have to the challenge street. yourself yeah. and put yourself out there and that old school grill of marketing really made you be able to thrive in any environment like the current situation of our climate of like being shut down I think being able to acknowledge other things that you're good at like writing a blog or which now for us is like social media yeah um, I find so many people have so much resistance to posting especially being closed because they don't have any yeah. pretty hair pictures to post so yeah. what is something you look for when someone's coming to apply for a position as a stylist there are there certain criteria that you have that oh, you yeah. will I, I would imagine <laughs> and and that's the thing about as an owner like I think we think we have to take whoever it is to fill that spot but if you have a culture and you have you know an environment that you want to keep a certain way you have to be careful of who you, you let in that space buckle. right and I could see you know this is the first time in almost five years of owning a salon that I've had people leave yeah. recently and I could see that moment of a salon say a salon has a walkout or whatever that that's a moment that an owner is going to be tested like do you just hire because you need to fill your chairs or are you going to stand true and firm in who you want on your team and wait and keep the space available for them mm. and put that out to the universe and I think the moment you buckle like that's a slippery slope 
Um, and so I, I just, I don't like, I have like really deep, I have like meetings like this. Like I'm like, I'm digging into the soul. Like I want to know who you are as a person and who you are going to be in here. And, um, I'm, I'm super picky and like, yeah, social media too. Like it doesn't work these days. Like if you don't have an Instagram, like I wouldn't hire, like, then go make an Instagram and show me what you have because our clients are going to look at your Instagram. Like, you know, and so anyone that's kind of still saying that, or, you know, I know like people have done it a long time. They don't need to have an Instagram or Mm -hmm. whatever, but that's, Oh, that was me for years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you have to. Yeah. I agree. It took me a long time to catch onto the social media thing. I think I've only had my hair Instagram for maybe three or four years now, but I fought it forever because I was the same old school. Like I don't need it. I'm a referral based. I'm, I'm, you know, any of that. But it really is a free marketing tool mm-hmm. that's basically like a website if you don't have that yet. Yeah. Um, it's so fundamental. And it keeps you engaged and your clients engaged. And it, it makes you your own little brand inside of the business because you oh, still yeah. have to be responsible for your personal business, right? Like, Yeah, and it impacts my business. Correct. So what are you representing for my business too? Yeah. You know, it's, it is important. How do you guys run team there? Like, do you have set meetings that you do? Are there certain numbers people have to hit in order to be a certain level it's something I'm working on is creating more defined like structure like that um to me I always go off of like you're going to move up in level or have a price increase the moment this is a rule of thumb I've always used in my career um is the moment you're booked solid mm-hmm. for six weeks straight book solid where you're turning business away for at least three months consistently that means it's time to up your prices that means your demand is higher than what you Right. So maybe four to six weeks, you know, but like no one should be raising their prices or upping where they're at until they're at that level. Because the moment you raise your prices and move from like stylist to senior stylist to master, you are going to lose clients probably. There's always going to be people who don't want to pay or whatever happens. And it almost has to be a welcomed loss that you are in a place where people are willing to pay more to sit in your chair. That's how you grow financially. Absolutely. But if you do it too soon or say you're new to a city and your ego is large because you charge, you know, a hundred dollars for a haircut back home, but here you have no clients. Is your haircut worth a hundred dollars yet? Or is it worth like, where do you begin? Where do you build your clientele? Yeah. I love that. I know. I think structure in a salon is, is one of the toughest things because as much as like the owner wants to run it, I've, I've found, you know, some people don't want to show up. If you're a booth renter, you're like, well, do we have to be at meetings? And it's, it's like you, you should want to know what's going on with your people because it, do, it is a reflection of your business, even though you're your own little business in there. Um, how have you stayed connected with the team when you guys are home? Like, because you're, you're, you're stuck and yeah. we can't be with them. First time we, I learned Zoom, right? We all did. And I tried to, I, I connected with them all individually. I just sent texts and nice. I really wanted to honor where everyone was at. I mean, aside from our shutdown, there's so much mess in our world and I think I never wanted to be too hard on anybody that like, no, but you still need to be showing up like this. Right. Like I wanted to know like, how, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, are you, are you okay? Um, so, but this go round, we're all comfortable around each other. Right. And so we, um, like I just, I've been doing meetings one-on-ones this week and still staying in contact. I, uh, I rented a Duffy boat this Sunday. We're going to have breakfast burritos and mimosas and just like, for me, it's important to just still try to do, it's like team building. Yep. 
And I'll say, like, those one-on-one meetings, like, are always so good. So good. So I do more one-on-one than just big team meetings, mm-hmm. but um, I'm working on that, too, the, the big team meetings. Yeah, I got to give a shout-out to Rebecca for that, too. She used to do that at our salon as well, and yeah. um, they were so impactful because sometimes, you know, in a, in a public meeting, you don't always maybe things don't even come up for you but when you're in a private meeting and certain things can be talked about freely like there's nothing better than having that relationship with your boss because you've got to be able to share we're all human and we're all going to go through our own separate shit so if if people can relate to where you're at like I think that's one thing too is always asking for help like if you need it don't 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 be so you know in your ego that you can't ask for help because it's it's okay to especially during this time because there's so much shit going on yeah um, and just finding ways that we can support one another, I think, is is how we're going to get through all this. Yeah. Doing stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, now more than ever. It's like our world is telling us to isolate and cover our face and, like, emotion, everything is just stripped from us. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you stay connected in that? So I feel like we could talk for hours. We probably have so much, like, <laughs> similar history and, like, I just love picking your brain. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to have you back on and we can do this again when maybe the world opens up and everyone's back to their thriving healthy business as it should be so um thank you for your time thank you it was so good to connect with you yay we'll do it again okay thanks guys